an Empire Boxing and Unlearning Network production. Welcome back to the Empire Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna, and today is a very special episode. Probably more special for me, maybe, than anyone else. And that's not because she's not awesome. But actually, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to pretend I like you even a little bit less than I do just to make this, this podcast a little more neutral. Um, otherwise, I'll just be like, what did you do on Tuesday? Uh, so this is my best friend. This is the talented, uh, the strong, the courageous, the incredible Jamie Ward. Welcome to the show. Is there a pause? <laughs> Will I? No, oh. but we I, you can do like a... Oh, yeah. you don't have a sound effects button or... No, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not like, yeah, I'm not the Conan O'Brien, like Conan O'Brien show yet, but one day I will oh, be Conan O'Brien, god damn. It's, a, it's, I'm, I'm, uh, it's a Tuesday. Yeah, I'm gonna mess up all my facts today and people are going to be writing comments and it's be okay. like, she messed this that's, up. And it's like, uh, sorry. That's what Instagram's for, all the fact checkers that know right? everything. Right, yeah, exactly. That's the yeah. point, the point. Um, so Jamie... Welcome to the podcast. This is super Thanks. cool. Uh, you know, because for those who may not know Jamie, and if you've been around in, in boxing in BC, you know, over the past uh, couple, I don't know, is it is it fair to say two decades? Yeah, I basically. think it is. Yeah, woof. Sorry, yeah. bud. Uh, it, boxing for the past two decades, you, you would definitely know her her name. She's been very active on a number of levels. Uh, she was an amateur boxer and then turned pro. She's an officiator. She's been uh, a judge, uh, a ref. Like there's, there's a million roles that Jamie's played in boxing, uh, a coach, uh, my personal coach back in 2018, mm-hmm. I believe it was. So, and Jamie's linked to the original Astoria boxing club as well as Eastside boxing club. So, and now Jamie has her own gym in North Van called hero athletics. And they also have a boxing program as well. So we'll get into all that. But uh, Jamie Ward is is uh, a name that if you didn't know, now, now you, you know. know. Yeah. Hero Hero right. Academy. We we actually Hero Academy. Yeah. We re we Academy. re your email address. We re led me in the wrong we direction. We rebranded right before we opened because I liked Academy better, and uh, we just couldn't mm. buy the URL. It's like forty grand. So. We're waiting for Hero Athletics. For Hero Academy. Oh yeah. wow! Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. I love it. Okay, well, we'll talk. We'll talk more about that as well. We, we're going to ask you lots of questions about kind of opening your gym, and that's a whole other um, interesting topic altogether. Totally. Is just how you open a business at the tail end Perfect. of a two-year yeah. pandemic. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I think I mean, what, what do you want to start with first? Your superhero origin story or our superhero origin story as a couple? Oh, uh, <laughs> no, the couple, us as a couple. I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, I could sum it up really gently and just say I basically stalked Jamie into submission and made her be my best friend. But um, the details are, are probably more interesting in terms of how they tie into boxing. But, uh, you know, when I first started, uh, you know, just diving in to boxing and, and learning things, I was, I was, at, uh, in fighting, which is downtown Vancouver. You might, it's one of those places you might've walked by a thousand times. And unless you maybe did BJJ or, um, Muay Thai or something like that, you might not even know it was mm-hmm. there. It's right by the SkyTrain station entrance. And I got a tip to check out a guy named Brian, 
to start training with him. I knew nothing, knew no one. It was my first uh, little trip into the boxing world. And I remember going down there and um, Richie, Richie Yip is the owner of the gym. Lovely guy. Was, uh, shout out to Richie. And I started training with a guy named Brian. And in the corner is this fiery strawberry blonde boxer chick doing all this, <laughs> you know, you were doing some essence. I think you were doing some conditioning with, with Tom, Tom Taylor. Taylor. Yep. Shout out to yep. Tom Taylor. And I was like, who is that? She's my hero. Like, Aww. and I just slowly became super inspired by, uh, just this, just who you were as like your, your image as an athlete and, and all the hard work you were putting in. And it really inspired me to continue boxing. And then our paths met, met later through a mutual friend, Jason Noel. Yeah. And then it be kind of came from there. Yeah. And I think too, like, I think then when you met me, I just turned pro. So yeah, I feel like that was, uh, I don't want to say at the height of my career, but I was coming off of an amateur career. Cause I was like, super I was just fed up with the politics and I couldn't I was too old mm -hmm. I was too old to go to the Olympics um which we'll touch on um and mm -hmm. was like well I don't know what else I'm gonna do for the rest of my life so I guess I'll go pro um yeah so mm -hmm. that's cool and I remember you came yeah. and watched me spar and handed I did I was keen yeah. I, I was I was handing Jamie her water bottle uh, with your coach Sam was in the corner and I remember Brian had connected me with Sam and they said, you know, go I, I was just ready to do anything. I would go anywhere that anyone told me to watch someone. I would have mopped floors and membership <laughs> in the gym kind of thing. Like I, I was I was in that stage in my early twenties where I was like, I'll do anything. Uh so I, I remember I got directed over to the well, yeah, that's right. and said, you know, go check out this place. And I got there and <laughs> I see a liquor store and I'm like, cool. Uh, I think I'm in the wrong place, which, which I think yep. everyone has a kind of a common story about their first time at the Astoria. You're like, okay, but like I can buy all the Pilsner, but where is the right? box? Exactly. You know? And I uh, found my way into the basement with a, probably a look of just bewilderment on mm -hmm. my face. The guy that was working at the counter said, oh, you're trying to get a boxing club downstairs. I'm like, right. And there you were, you were sparring. I don't remember who you were sparring, but I remember just introducing myself to Sam and, and I was in your, on the outside of the ropes, just kind of in your corner, handing you water. And you're probably thinking, who the hell is this? You know, I don't even remember to be really honest, That's, which is, which is, fine. yeah, I was such a, but I, I've been told I'm that sorry. before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was probably sparring Jen, um, or Cindy. Um, yeah. Mm. Um, but, uh, and I mean, you know, like, it's so funny. It is like, I've been hit in the head a lot, Jenna. So, you know, like <laughs> when I say I don't remember, it's like, maybe it was just cause one of those two women had hit me really hard in the face in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I was, I mean, I was, I was a little fly in the wall. So that's sort of some of the first few times that we met and then, you know, fast forward to me I believe I went to a show that Anna Ferrant was fighting in. And I remember Dave Shook being in her corner. Mm -hmm. And I had talked to Dave for the first time about East Side. No, not the first time. I had, I had haunted him through Facebook Messenger. I was like, I really want to come. Like, what's the deal? Anyways, I finally met him. I think, I think Anna was fighting. I think that was Anna's last fight or something. I remember going to the show. And, uh, you know, you were there and I showed up at Eastside, I think shortly after that, and you took me on as, as your athlete. And that, 
that kind of the rest was is history from there. So that's that's kind of more or less our little yeah. jam. See, I don't even remember that happening, but I do remember me like sitting down with you and I was like, Jenna, I'm gaining weight and I need you to help me with my yes. nutrition. Yes. And we sat and did like a nutrition yeah. console and um yeah. And you like we had just a fantastic connection. And then mm-hmm. I found out that I was pregnant and that's why I was gay. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I meant to get pregnant, yeah. so it was a good thing, but I was like, Oh, anyway. Yeah. So that was, yeah. Yeah. And then I, and we had a very adult, will you be my friend? I, d- I did. After yes. That. I actually, I, I was <laughs> like, will you be my friend? And I don't know. I feel like I always ask people like, can you, can we be friends? Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, of course I've been stalking you for a year. So absolutely. <laughs> So give us your boxing origin story because that's what we're really here okay. for. And, and it, it's, we, we want the, you know, I wanted to hear about your very first time kind of putting on the gloves, your experience as an amateur, and, and then let's start there and then we'll lead into your transition. To cool. pro. Yeah. So in um, 2002, I think it was, I moved to, yeah, so literally, literally two decades. 2002, I moved to Calgary, um, Alberta. And uh, I was going to art school there and I lived right by the University of Calgary. And, um, you know, I was super determined to be a triathlete and that was not working out so well for me, Uh, especially in the winter in Calgary, because it's, I mean, you know, you're from Calgary, so you know how it is. It's like minus 30 and my eyelashes freezing together while I was trying to run like 20 kilometers and it didn't work out. So there was this. This boxing fitness club in the University of Calgary. And I started doing classes there and was just like, oh my God, this is the shit. This is amazing. And um, I came back to Vancouver over, I guess, holiday break. So I don't know, Christmas break. And um, Dave Brett, who owns Griffin's Boxing Club, he was running boxing classes with Mark McGilligod um, at William Griffin's Rec Center in North Vancouver. So Hmm. that was like 18, 19 years ago. And so I dragged my buddy, Rosalia Calla, to these boxing classes. And we just did those the entire time that that I was in, in town. And then, yeah. And then when I went back to Calgary, just kept doing the boxing classes and I only lasted a year in Calgary. It was just too cold for me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then when I came back, when I came back to Vancouver um, that summer, Rosa had left. She'd left the William Griffin's classes and had joined a, um, I'm going to say this in quotation marks, a real boxing gym. And the reason I do quotation is because mm-hmm. Dave Brett does own a real boxing gym and he's got like olympic level fighters and they're amazing oh yeah Yeah. so yeah um but you know back then that was like 20 years ago so um things 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 shift and things change um so rosalia had joined the north burnaby boxing club and she was uh she wanted to fight she wanted to compete amateur so i was like yeah i'll i'll come with you and um it was in a gymnasium of the North Burnaby Community Center and it was just like mm-hmm. super yeah it was hilarious it was, it was exactly what you would picture 
an amateur boxing club. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that was, that was my start. I, um, you know, I then met, I met, um, my longtime coach, Dave Shook there, um, started having amateur fights, had a pretty long string of wins. Um, and then, yeah, I just started just with trying to compete as much as I could trying to compete. I don't know, mm-hmm. every, every couple of months, every two, two months, three months, um, went to nationals, one provincials, one gold, I don't know, boom, won a bunch of shit. Uh, <laughs> so modest and so modest. So much I can't recall. Oh, I don't remember. Oh my gosh. Uh, I did well. I did really well, you know, and I would never, I would never say I was a talented boxer, but um, I had good coordination and I was athletic and I had a shitload of grit and a lot of heart. So um, I think that, you know, when I was lacking in talent or skill, I kind of made up for and that kind of rose above. So, yeah. Do you think, do you think that like the triathlon training set you up for that sort of grit or was it something that you kind of have always had and, and exhibited as a, as a younger person? Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fighter. I'm, I'm a pretty fiery person. I was a pretty fiery kid. I like to fight with my mom and my dad a lot, not physically, but, uh, I, you know, just, just stalking yeah. mom. <laughs> yeah. Just laying dad out on a Tuesday yeah. night. But I've always had this like real, I don't know, like fight for justice, superhero kind of persona, which has gotten me into lots of trouble. And, uh, <laughs> but no, I've always kind of had that, that fight in me. Um, so I don't know, blame it on whatever, blame it on my star sign, blame it on, you know, whatever the moon was in what, whatever, when this happened. Um, so, so boxing chose, chose you. It was like, ah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of (laughs) like, I kind of found it and it was like, oh, this is like the sport that suits my, you know, feisty, fiery, Mm -hmm. somewhat scary attitude. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, Went to nationals. No, oh, what, sorry. Go ahead. Just curious, what the what was the pool like for female fighters at the time? Because I know, you know, even through my experience, there there's huge gaps in certain weight classes mm-hmm. where there's like nobody. So you're fighting the same like three people all the time, or you have to travel. What was it like back then? Because I would imagine there's more athletes now than there were then. Well, it's in so great. Good question. So. Um, right around that time million dollar baby had come out and right yes. and so i would say you know like there was so i feel like it inspired a lot of women to be like i'm going to be a boxer mm. i'm going to be a fighter right so the pool was good um mm-hmm. i would say it's probably it was probably fairly comparable to how it is now but um you know like when I first started it was easy to find opponents and I was fighting between like 125 to 130 pounds so which I guess is a fairly average weight class so it was Mm. easy-ish to find opponents but once I started getting to like 25 30 fights it I was, yeah, again, either 
fighting the same person two or three times. I was traveling a lot. It just yeah got a lot harder to get mm-hmm. to get interesting. Fights. Um, interesting. Yeah. So, and I I feel like today there's probably that same that same problem, and you know I think um, people will sign up for boxing and. You know, it, they don't really know what they've signed up for until they get punched in the face. It's like Mike Tyson says. Yeah, and then not just. Right? Yeah. 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 You know, and, you know, like your, your your feelings on it change after five fights, after 10, 15, yeah. you know. And, like, once after you're in 20, like, it's like you're, you have a pretty good probably understanding of do I want to continue doing yeah. this, you know, or am I, like, am I going to cut my losses? And I was curious what your thoughts were on. You know, you were saying Million Dollar Baby really inspired a lot of uh, females to come into boxing at the time. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano fight has had the same effect on women today? I think it will. Um, I think it will. I think, you know, I think throughout history, we have had women that have stepped up and it's been shown throughout the media and um it has inspired other women to come into sport. I think, you know, Ronda Rousey played a massive role. You know, I think like Million Dollar Baby, I think Ronda Rousey played a massive role in getting young women and young girls involved in sport. And I mean, you could disagree Mm -hmm. with me. You could say what you want about her. But I think that, you know, the popularity and the foundation of sort of female, um, UFC competitors was was like she was the backbone to that um for there was a time for yeah, sure yeah. yeah absolutely no I, I think yeah regardless of what you think about her now she was smoking people in her division yeah. and and she was really good at a couple things and those two yeah. things you know like it was basically what it was like her arm bars and her judo yeah. and stuff like that yeah. right and so she just smoke people with her 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 techniques that she was really really confident in and yeah for sure I'd agree with you I think that probably inspired tons of women you know and then closely following that but it would be you know like Holly Holm yep um and and I think the the Williams sisters probably had Mm -hmm. the same effect on little girls looking at tennis players and dreaming of Wimbledon trophies and all those sorts of things so very cool now Jamie what how many fights were you in your amateur career before you decided to go I had 50 fights in total, three professional. So that would be 47. <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry the for math, the don't, math. Oh my God. Don't do oh the math wrong God, on the podcast. Right? <laughs> Jason can't edit it's that out. Just, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just 50 minus three, Jamie. It's not that hard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 57, 57, 47, 47 amateur fights, three professional fights. So what was the crossroads? Like, so you're coming into, you know, you have 47 amateur fights under your belt. It's basically like continue fighting amateur for the hell of it. Like go to the Olympics or turn pro. And yeah. what was that decision-making process for you like? So when was my, I think my last amateur fight was in 2010. We'd found out that um, women's boxing was going to be in the Olympics um, for 2012 my weight division was going to be, so they only had two weight divisions. Um, okay. And uh, my weight division was one of them. Um, but I was, I would have been too old. I would have been too old in at, at a ripe old age of 32. I would have been too old. 
Um, As far as I know, they've changed the age requirements, but you know what? I would have to look that, I would have to look that up. No, what is that? Is that Aiba? Is that an Aiba thing? Or what was it at the time? Yeah, that would have been Aiba. Yeah, that was Aiba. Yeah. Okay. And and, uh, is it, what is it based on? Like, you know, brain health of the athlete? Yeah, yeah. Basically, you know, they don't want old ladies getting brain damage. (laughs) Right. Well, it's, it's just, it is interesting because I mean, let's tangent just for a second. Like, let's be real. Like the training, the recovery after 30 is just different. It is. You know, I I think, I, I think it is. I think you... You just have to hand, you have to manage your training styles and your intensity a little bit different because it's not like you can't be in your peak in your mid thirties. And I think 32 is too young, but after like 35 heading towards 40, like your, your requirements for recovery are just different. Like I'm watching, you know, I'm in jits now and I'm watching these like 20 some year olds, like raise their eyebrow when you're like, yeah, like I've got this injury. I've got an MCL or like meniscus or like, you know, and I'm going, Hey, like, Anyone in their 20s doesn't have any right to comment about how someone in their 30s body's feeling. It's like we were putting reps on our bodies before you oh, were yeah. even trying out for your sports, oh, yeah. first sports yeah. team. So <laughs> keep your opinions to yourself. But I, but I do think like I think 32, I think that's a joke. I think Aiba should, yeah. should, shouldn't have made it that low. But I think I would say like probably, you know, maybe thir- 35. But I mean, look at pros in their pro career having like prolific careers oh, yeah. well into their late 30s yeah. now. So I know uh, Holly Holm, she's what am I? How old am I? I'm 42. She's I think she's 40, maybe 41. Like, yeah, like still, still out there. Banging. Out there. I, I think I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the advances in the science around training and recovery mm-hmm. now as well, mm-hmm. too. Like, I think there's there's a lot more knowledge being put into athletes camps, you know, periodization, you know, proper recovery and then like if you if you've made enough money in your sport, that what you have access to in terms of like injections and therapies yeah. and all sorts of things like, you know, is a little bit different, but still it's it's really encouraging to see people have long prolific careers in the sport. So, did you want to go to the Olympics? Like were you like totally let down over this? I was yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty bummed out. I was feeling, you know what? I was, I was really bummed out generally with the attitude towards women in amateur boxing. Um, and through, and that's, that's kind of lasted throughout my entire career. Um, you know, throughout my entire career, I would have people, coaches say to me, I don't understand why you're so upset about it. It's just women's boxing. I don't expect, I don't understand why you'd expect to go so far. Like your, your women's boxing is never going to go anywhere. No one wants to watch women's boxing. Nobody cares about women's boxing like all the time. Um, and this is like, not just one person, you know, these are, you know, Mm -hmm. multiple coaches, multiple people who like, you know, I mean, it's, it was a very, it's a very, it was, it was, I'm not very involved right now anymore. So it was a very old boys club. Um, yeah. So we'll. It's interesting. You know, I, I, I don't have a ton of this, you know, I can't, I can't make a ton of comments just based on my personal experience, but I do have one story mm-hmm. and it was you and I, we were fighting. Well, I, I was fighting. You were with me. Uh, Migo, your husband was there as well as my second. Yeah. 
And we were by, what was it? Play, the Playland. What's it called? Oh, um, it was that hotel right by Funland or wherever yeah, the hell like, that is, like, like out towards. Oh, yeah, like in Abbotsford with the mini yes, golf course. Yes, out towards Abbotsford. Yes. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So forgive us. We don't, we can't remember that. <laughs> but if you're listening to this, you know exactly what we're talking about. I want to say Pacific Playland. No, but it's like Fun it Castle uh, or something like that. Fun, yeah. Castle Fun yes, Park. Yes, there Boom. we go. And this story has nothing to do with Castle no. Fun Park except that it was next it was. door. So we're fighting in this show and it was at, in the hotel there. And I remember coming to, we were going to the athletes table to check in and you were standing right behind me. It was just us two. And I don't know who was at the table. I mean, it's irrelevant, you know, but their comment was, where's, where's your, coach? your coach? Yep. Oh, I remember you that. Know? And, and they looked yeah. at you and they were like, where's your yeah, coach? Like, and and. I was like, what do you mean? Where's my coach? Like, you know, and, and it was, that was, that was a moment that I'll never forget actually. And, you know, hearing you say that definitely brought that memory back. And and I can imagine at that time it would have been really challenging. Whereas I think, uh, you know, there's probably been a huge shift in perspective now, especially after, you know, Matt Serrano and Katie Taylor I like, think sold out I hope, a main headliner. I hope, I hope so. I, I hope so. I am, not specifically optimistic. I think that there, you know, I mean, fuck. <laughs> it's, you know, fuck. Okay, even, even, <laughs> even with that fight, okay, here we go. Here we go, Jana. Here we go. Okay, women have. I've been baiting to her work. into this for the last half hour. Women have to work 10 fucking times harder. 10 times harder to be a coach. You got to work harder. You got to do better. You got to have better athletes. If you are a woman than any male fucking coach out there, you want to be a ref. You want to be a judge. You better not make a fucking mistake because you're going to get the shit torn out of you. If you are a woman, if you are a female fighter, you have to have so many goddamn accolades, so many successes to make a fifth, Maybe like one percent. Oh, see now we're here. We are here. You go. You were you were working. We have to let's go, like Jamie. 1%, just let it go. One percent of what your male counterparts make. Like, okay, so uh, Katie Taylor, she made one point five million dollars in that fight, right? One point five million dollars. Mm-hmm. It's twenty twenty two. It's like Mike Tyson in nineteen ninety three against Evander Holyfield made. $30 million. And in 1993, women's boxing wasn't even a sport. It wasn't even a fucking sport. We have to work. Oh, see, you've started it. We've just like, yeah. So. Hey. I mean, you make, you make a really, really strong, strong point for sure. And, and yeah, I mean, we, we, all we can hope is that, you know, the, the resources and the attention to the female athletes putting in that kind of work gets recognition yeah. as, as the years go on. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm always the optimist. So, you know, for most yeah. things. So I, I would like to say that I think that maybe that was a, a massive stepping stone for women's boxing. And yeah. let's say this, there are some women's sports that are not watched. No. And they're not, tickets are not being sold and no one's tuning yeah. in. And it's really hard to justify to pay these athletes more. Yeah. And women fans are partly responsible for that. 
I'm not tuning into the WNBA. <laughs> you know, I can't name one WNBA nope. player, not one. Nope. You know, and and do I support female sports? Absolutely, but I like, and I played. Ball. Yeah. You know, and, but I, it's just it, tickets are not being sold, paychecks are not climbing. Yeah. That that makes sense from a viewership perspective, mm-hmm. but tennis and boxing, yeah, are two sports that women are selling out arenas now no, they are yeah i yeah tennis it's boxing, it's, it's become iconic yeah, tennis boxing and mma i would say almost any com yeah. any women any combat spot spot any combat sport, sport yeah. with women is like the women's like the women's fights are equally as interesting or mm-hmm. more exciting than oh i remember the hype over just recently the amanda oh, Nunes yeah. fight you know and and it was it was a big deal. So you know, one one would hope that if viewership and ticket sales mm-hmm. and pay per view sales are the limiting factor for seeing these women make the kind of money that they just arguably deserve to be yeah. making, then this should change things. I think, you know, and and if it doesn't, then eyebrows need to be started. Yeah. You, you know, need to raise. Yeah. You know, from all parties. But and I do very, very interesting. I do agree. I do agree with you too. I think now you know the promoters and the broadcasters are starting to see these really big returns on, on broadcasting on on showing these, these women's fights. And um, if the promoters don't start matching, you know, purses with, with the men's purses, these, these women who are big money draws are going to, they're going to sit there and say, you know what? No, screw you. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be a fight. And um, you know, not, not a, a boxing fight, but um, or you know the 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 women in in boxing will end up just going to UFC. Oh yeah, which is what Holly Holm did. You know, right? she was like, "Nah, I'm done. Yeah. I'm good." Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Katie Katie Taylor, she she got a really good purse. Um, I don't think there's any women in UFC. There's uh, Kayla Harrison in the professional fight league. She's is probably the only other woman that sort of made about the same amount in the in her purse mm-hmm. but uh yeah I mean it's you know when it comes to equality and pay and this is like this is the story of our lives you know as women sorry I'm sorry guys I know you don't want to hear me bitch about this but it's the reality of it well and, and it's not necessarily like we're not all saying like you know men no, are solely no. responsible and or all men are holding women no, back. that's not no, what no. we're saying it's just it's just kind of, it has been how it's, it's played mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. over the years. And so, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'll just, no, you finish your, your statement just, and then we'll, we'll go back to your uh, pro go on a tangent forever. <laughs> hey, I was, this is my fault. I, uh, I did you, did, yeah. <laughs> you were, you were, you were poking the bear of it. Uh, no, lost, oh, I, for I lost sure. it. The thought's gone. So ask away. Okay. Well, let's go back to, uh, you know, that crossroads you were at, you decide to go pro. Yeah. What was that process like for you? Uh, just, you know, because we, we actually coming up in our November card, we have a pro debut, uh, Jordan Doby from, yeah. So we're extremely excited to, to have her debut. It is Jordan. And so she's oh, going through that okay. process. Yeah. Cool. We're going through that process now. Yeah. And, uh, and you know she's going through that, and there might be other young female amateurs out there right now, you know, scratching their heads, going like, you know, maybe boxing in the Olympics isn't going to be available to me either. What was the pro process for you? 
I mean, it, what happened? I, uh, yeah, I, I made a conscious decision to go pro before I went to nationals, went to nationals. It was my last nationals came back and immediately changed my coach. I started training with, um, Sam Shepard, who was, uh, junior Moore's, um, coach, professional boxing coach. And, um, it was, Man, it was a beautiful and very sad experience all wrapped into one. Um, mm. You know, like oh, training with Sam, the one-on-one attention, the, you know, like I, I went all out. I got myself a strength and conditioning coach, Tom Taylor. I had, you know, Sam, who was just like this dedicated boxing coach. So, you know, I was no longer doing classes I was no longer boxing with this gigantic amateur team at a boxing club who had you know like 120 amateur fighters like it was Sam and myself and Junior and maybe one other guy um and it was this like beautiful tight-knit family and Sam is a fantastic coach but he's also just like a fantastic person like he would he would break me and then he would just pick me up off the ground and like lift me up in the clouds and like, you know, and I'm speaking, I'm speaking metaphorically, obviously, but um, yeah, he was just, it was such an amazing experience um, to sort of make that shift and find people in my life who really believed in me and who really wanted to see me succeed and who really supported me. Um, Mm. The one thing that I do regret is not getting a good manager. I should have had a really good manager. And, you know, Sam would say, I'm a coach. I'm not a manager. I don't, you know, Mm. like, um, so that's, that's one of the things that I should have done. There's not a lot of box. There was not a lot of boxing managers. I was going to say who played that role. Yeah. So there's, where you guys just kind of had a chat as yeah. a group and then we're just like, oh, okay, let's do this. Pretty okay. much. Yeah. Sometimes Sam would chat with promoters. Sometimes I would chat with promoters. Sometimes promoters would like mm. reach out to me. Um, and that got really like mucky and frustrating and like promoters can be mm. real dicks like they can be like oh yeah well you know so-and-so wants to fight but they think you're scared and like they'll they'll like really like <laughs> poke you and I love boxing it's so yeah it's so so it's fun. so hilarious and you know if I had a manager then it would have taken all of that like emotional like bullshit out of the picture like they could just say, uh, yeah, you get to do your job. Yeah. You're the fighter. Yeah. The manager does managing. the managing. The coach does the coaching. Yeah. And it, it's like, it's like, it's like trying to train yourself. Yeah. It's trying, it's like trying to be the coach and the athlete at the same time and make the best decisions on behalf of yourself sometimes isn't, isn't the easiest thing to yeah. do. And that's, you know, that in the end is why my career, my pro career was so short lived. It was, you know, number one, I was having trouble getting fights. Um, there was a lot of emotion in it, you know, like Sam's an emotional guy, um, you know, like boxing's an emotional sport. Um, mm-hmm. the, like the, the fights that were being presented to us, they weren't, you know, like, I mean, God, like I remember one promoter 
wanted to pay me like a $500 purse, which I was like, no, no, thank you. But no, um, one guy wanted me to fight on his card for free for the fucking experience. And it's like, I've had 47 amateur fights. I went to nationals four times. I was a three time bronze medalist and I ended up on the national B team. Fuck you. I've got experience. Anyway, so here I go on a rant again. Mm. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. you know, like at the, I feel like if I'd had a manager, um, mm-hmm. then it would have taken that emotional bullshit mm-hmm. out of the equation. And, and maybe my career would have been longer. I mean, maybe not like I met, yeah. you know, I met my husband shortly after we got married, we had a baby. So, you know, maybe not. Mm-hmm. So who knows? It's, well, it's interesting, like, obviously, you know, as coming from the role of a, a promoter, you know, the purses is a real interesting, I mean, like, if I may, yeah, no, please, just I, have a little yeah. devil's advocate back and forth, because, you know, obviously, this is something that, you know, and I'm going to try and say enough without saying too mm-hmm. much. And we run into all the time in, in the negotiation or process with with fighters, and you have you do have a dilemma of like, well, who's going to buy tickets to see you? How do we justify how much money that we can spend on you based on, does anyone know? Does anyone care? You know, and and it is tough because they, they might care one day, you know, and, and this, and it might be the the best fight of the Mm -hmm. night. Like you just don't know. But, um, and obviously as like a startup, like, I don't know how, how established these promoters yeah. were, but you know, the, you're, you're walking a knife's edge of a budget trying to make everybody have, well, at least, at least like we consider ourselves a good guys. Like we're truly trying to make everyone happy. We're not sliding into people's DMs going like, yeah, you want to fight them? They think you're scared. You know? So we're not doing, I, like, I can speak for myself. I don't know. I don't know what kind of. I don't know what kind of DMs Dan sending, oh right? God. You know, but uh, <laughs> you know, like we're 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 trying, we're ju- generally trying to make people happy, make their team happy, make people enjoy wanting to work with us and continue to be on our shows. Yeah. But it is tricky. I mean, you're you're walking a knife's edge of of selling tickets to justify your cost, paying yeah. all your vendors, and still trying to come out being able to do a second show, a third show. So it, it is tough, uh, you know, but. At the same time, you know, you want to respect that a lot of these athletes are paying for their camps, like, you know, or working two jobs and, you know, maybe have a family. And when I was living in LA, I met so many fighters, you know, from who had come up from Mexico, like living with their whole family in 600 square Mm -hmm. feet. You know, they have two jobs and they're trying to make it as a pro boxer. And it's just like your heart is like, pay the yeah, man, yeah. pay the woman, yeah. you know, pay them. So, you know, that, that is tricky. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, did, did you actually feel like they were trying to make it work or was it just all around shady? No, I think, you know, I had a, I, I fought on a couple of cards um, with really big promoters and they paid me really well. They paid me really well. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and you know, the, like the, the two guys that were like, can't pay you, don't want to pay you were like shady dudes. They were just, you know, and they're, and they're, and they're known in the industry to be like Mm, shady shady dudes. Right. Mm. One was in BC and one was in Alberta, you know, Mm. but, uh, you know, and uh, so what, sorry, go ahead. One of the things we've been trying to do as well is like, 
you know, we'll offer, you know, rev share opportunities right. for some of our athletes as well. Like, Hey, you will give you a promo code, sell some tickets, that kind yeah. of thing. And well, did it, was there anything like that that was available? Yeah. To you yeah. Day? No, I did. I got, um, one of my, one of my fights here actually with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, Jerry Gianco, he gave me a revenue share. Gianco. I know. Right. Um, nice. in, uh, in ticket sales. So that was, uh, that was nice. And they paid me a really nice little purse, but I, I'm also a good negotiator. So, um, but, but yeah, no, so that was, that was nice. Um, you know, my debut, I fought under, uh, oh man, Jelena, Jelena's, uh, yeah, Jelena Marjanovic, uh, yes. Mel, and yes. they were really good to me. They were really good to me. Um, yeah. And then the, uh, oh man. I'm trying to think when I went to uh, Winnipeg to fight the, the, the promoters, they were really good to me too. I can't even, I can't even remember. So there were some, there were some positive, positive, just being like, you know, just having the opportunity to be connected with Jelena, like at that time, like she, she's amazing. Oh yeah. She she, is. What an incredible athlete, incredible person. She was recently, she was, wasn't she inducted into some kind of hall of fame or given some kind of award of achievement or something? She's anyway, she's, she's a fantastic talent and she's done a lot she for has, yeah. the boxing community. And she's based out of Calgary. She's, still right is now, she, yeah, she, she was in Edmonton. So when I fought, right. I was on a card that she was, she was the main event and, um, and that was in Edmonton, Edmonton, but that was also like in 2011, I think I think the last time I remember her fighting was maybe three four years ago yeah. or something I'm not sure if she's retired now but well, she, very cool. she so, lost her coach she lost her coach a couple of years ago that's yeah right. and that was pretty yeah to illness yeah, that was pretty heartbreaking devastating yeah. um yeah devastating yeah. but yeah no the the you know what the uh this the the questionable guys I just you know I never accepted their offer and that was kind of that so right now what was your most memorable fight as a professional boxer oh I mean they're all memorable but I would say my debut my debut is like you know and I and you know like I won I won my debut you know my my pro career is not shining I I won my debut my second fight was a uh was a was a split decision to her. And then my last fight was against a world champion. And that was really rough. <laughs> and that was, uh, what was her that name? That was against, um, Olivia, uh, Olivia. Yeah. Garula. Garula. Yeah. Garula. yeah. 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 She's a beast. That was a fight. She's a beast. That was a, fight. a lovely person. A beautiful person. Yeah. Freaking beast. She, she, she's still competitive. Is she I not? think she is. Or maybe up until the last five years. Yeah. She was t- t- tough. Chick. Yeah. When she tough as, as, yeah, she's tough. I mean, she's bought, she's, she's beat Jelena in the past. Like she was a world mm-hmm. champion and yeah, it was that, a stupid fight. We never, yeah, should, we never should have taken it. I also took it on like two weeks notice. So, but anyway, um, yeah. Amazing lessons and experiences. I, I way. really learned how tough I was. Like I really learned how tough I was. Right. So, so that's interesting. You say that because you know, just you know, maybe towards the the first part of our our chat, you know, we were talking about this grit, and you kind of always identifying as someone who's tough, but 
It's almost like you found a layer oh, yeah. you didn't know was there. <laughs> shit, shit. I remember at one point she like she smashed me in the face with her head, and she didn't mean to. She's just you know the woman fights with her head. She just you know she's a train, and um, and she's very much on the inside. She's very, she's very pressure, oh, yeah. very yeah, much on the very inside. Very much an inside fighter. You know she's she's shorter than I am. She's probably about two, three inches, three inches shorter than I am. And just, yeah. Like, and this woman is just all legs built like a, yeah. Oh, she yeah. used to be a kickboxer. So, uh, so she plants mm-hmm. and she goes and yeah, she came in, she hit me in the, in the right, in the freaking right here, like right on my like cheekbone. And, uh, I felt my face crack. I felt my freaking face. I, I did. I fractured my orbital bone. And all I thought was, I can just take a knee. I can take a knee right now. I can take a knee and this will be done. And then I, my face is yeah, broken. I was like, I can, I can take, I can a, take knee. a knee. And then I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? You do not take a knee. You are going to see this fight through to the end. And, and it was like, yeah, I was like, whoa, shit. I'm badass. <laughs> <laughs> I looked like freaking ground meat after the fight but uh <laughs> yeah but um I'm really glad I didn't take that knee man yeah uh, right uh, yeah I feel like knowing you the way I know you I don't know if you'd uh, ever forgive yourself oh, for no, that. I would uh, I would have been Jamie, talk to us about what it was like transitioning into coaching lifestyle and being a coach and leaving boxing behind was that was that hard or were you fulfilled by you know pouring into? Oh athletes? yeah, no, I was. I really was. I, um, you know, honestly, Jana, I think that I've it's been more rewarding and more fulfilling being a mentor and a coach than it ever was being a fighter. And you know, like so many women, we get into this sport and we're like, you know, we want to inspire other women, you know, young girls to show them like, hey, look, like. Th- this is what you want to do. This is what you can do. Um, but mm-hmm. I found as a coach, especially as a female coach, I could reach women on a completely different level. You know, instead of leading through example, I was leading by teaching. And that has a real power in it because I wasn't saying, hey, look, look at how great I am. You can be this great too. Instead, I was saying, hey, look at how great you can be. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the tools so you can get there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been exceptionally rewarding. And it's been a really lovely transition into, you know, like my old age. <laughs> so, like, okay, I'm getting old, so I can't really do this anymore. But, hey, I can still inspire you. I can do it in a different way. Um, and what was more like was transitioning into being a, a, a mother from an athlete and a coach? Was that a more harder or easier transition? Just, you know, f- I'm going to actually, you know, I'm going to backtrack. I will answer that question, mm-hmm. but I, I will say that transitioning from being a fighter to being a retired fighter was exceptionally difficult. Um, and I didn't go right from, you know, competing into being a coach. I think there was like a three year hiatus in between and maybe even longer actually, because actually I didn't start coaching until after my daughter was born. So, which was five and a half years ago. Um, 
so I took a long hiatus from boxing and it was extremely difficult and I really lost my self-identity. Um, For yeah. Sure. And so, yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So that, sorry. So I just wanted to sort of precipice with that. Um, <clears throat> what was your question about being a mother and a coach? Yeah. So, you know, cause I, I feel like you do, you go through an identity shift going from, I am an athlete yeah. to I am a coach. It's like, you kind of have to relearn what you identify yourself as. Uh, and then going yeah. from that to being a mom, did you start to identify less as a coach and more as a mom or what was that like? No, no, not at all. Um, you know, I, I had Eden, so I had a daughter and she's also a fiery little kid. And, um, to be really honest, I think it just lit an even bigger fire in me to be like, no, no, no. You know, like I, all of us, all of a sudden, all the injustices injustice is that a word injustice anyway you know what I mean um yeah yeah. you know all of the like I I kind of sat there and was like you know like these are the things that are happening to women these are the things that are happening to young girls I need to be an example and teach my daughter how to be a strong woman and I need and I need to fight um you know I need to fight these injustices and it is a word. Um, and um, it, you know, I realized that I couldn't be, I couldn't be a hypocrite when I had someone little watching me. You know, like I mm-hmm. had to, if I was going to say, like, I am inspiring women, I'm fighting for women's rights, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I actually had to do it. And I had to fight these really big, mm-hmm. these big battles, these big fights, because she was there watching me. Um, so Hmm. yeah, I wouldn't say that I identified less as a coach. I would almost say that I became more of a, of a, an active feminist. Uh, I don't love the word feminist, but you know, I mean, if you look at it as like fighting for, you know, equality, um, then, then yeah. Mm -hmm. So but I think I think the definition has been unfortunately skewed, and mm-hmm. um, what people what people think initially when they hear feminist, I think, and unfortunately, that's been tainted yeah. a little bit by certain certain people that have thrown that term around and then acted slightly like you know in adverse to its true yeah. where its true origin. Um, so you know, interesting. Well, that that's beautiful, and I, I really like what you said there about um, showing. You didn't have to say, look at how great I am. You know, you could do it too, I guess. It's sort of like, look at how great you are. Let me show you the yeah. way. I think that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and I definitely can speak to, to that as someone who trained with you. I, you know, that was very wow. much who you were to, to all of us and, and who you were to me personally as Thank well. You. I, I'm curious who your biggest influences were as, a, as an athlete kind of coming up as you were finding your style and, and your grit and as you were working with coaches and figuring out what worked for you, what didn't, who were your biggest influences? Oh, you know, to be really honest, I'd say like, like man, um, I mean, my, my coaches were a huge influence. Um, you know, Tom mm. Taylor, Sam Shepard were, were a huge influence. And it's funny, I, I didn't, I'm not the type of person who, like sees an athlete and gets inspired by an athlete. 
it was more mm-hmm. than people that I surrounded myself with, you know, like my friends, the people who built me up, like people like you, people like Sam, people like Tom, people like Migo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, even at the time, like the team, like when I was amateur, like the team that I trained with, um, the people who were sitting there saying, you know, you can, you can do this and we believe in you. Um, were definitely, Mm. yeah, definitely those people that inspired me that I pulled my inspiration from. Um, when it came to finding my style, I didn't really find my style, until I was pro because at that point I was allowed to have a style um with amateur Mm -hmm. you know back when we were fighting amateur when I was fighting amateur it was a point system so you had to kind of play the game and you and I were having a conversation about this earlier about jujitsu where you know like in different Mm -hmm. leagues like some are point systems some are submission only yada 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 um and so you have to play the game depending on it's still like it that in, in amateur yeah, boxing. It it's, it's, you sort of, uh, you sort of go, I think up until you're maybe like, let's say like someone like Nayusha, her level, she's got a style and it's actually very atypical mm-hmm. of amateur style. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like Terrace has an amateur style yeah. and she's very good at yeah. it. She's long, rangy, in, out, in, out, angle change. And whereas Nayusha's in and out, but she's got, you know, low hands. She uses her head more, yep. more like a pro. Now she's got swagger. You know, she'll throw an up, up, 100%. She'll throw an uppercut from the hip. And both women very successful. Yep. But I'd say, t- t- you know, Nayusha has adapted a completely different style than your stereotypical sort of amateur style. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's working for her. But even now, there is a style. Like, I don't love it. I find it exhausting. Yeah. It's absolutely Oh, it is. It is, ex- it is exhausting. I'm, like, bouncing around. Oh, my. It's exhausting. God, you can't. Yeah, I, and you only have three rounds yeah. to blow your load and impress it's the judges. So whereas, you know, you're... And you're like, it, it, whereas I think pro offers, you know, to your point of you didn't find yourself to your pro, it offers a little bit more time yes. to play the longer game with boxing. Yeah. And you have, now you have five rounds and then you have nine mm-hmm. rounds and then you have 12 rounds yeah. to sort of work a chess match with your opponent. And you don't see people like, you know, the odd, the odd fight, you'll see someone come out of the gate and try to blast someone's head off in the first like 12 seconds. But if that goes wrong oh, yeah. and you've spent yeah, all the you're money. you're done. And you have, yeah, yeah, you have eight more rounds to yeah, go. You're in you're trouble. In yeah. So you don't, you don't really see that. And, and it, it is interesting. So yeah, I guess you're, you're right. Like, you know, styles, I think Naisha, again, is my sort of outlier yeah. example. And, and, you know, some, some of the other guys I, I I've seen uh, as well have, you know, more styles that are developing, but it is more reserved for, for pro boxing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what, what shift did you make from amateur to pro style wise? That you know. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, again, like to your, uh, like with Terrace, like, and then the bouncy. So when I was amateur, it was like, Jamie, you're tall, you're tall for your weight, you're tall for your weight category, you're long, you know, you got to bounce, you got to bounce, you got to hop back and forth and use your jab and use your range and like, go in and then get out. And, um, and then when I switched, and I started boxing with Sam, Sam was like, Jamie, you hit like a motherfucker. He's like, stay mm. in there and turn over your hips. He's like, slow down. Stop bouncing around. Mm. He's like, step around. Take your time. Get grounded. Turn over your hips. And mm. I learned that 
you know, I uh, found that I was a lot more comfortable in the pocket. I felt a lot mm-hmm. safer, unless I'm getting my face smashed by Olivia. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like I felt a lot safer in the pocket. Um, mm-hmm. And I could make slight adjustments and, you know, like, move slightly instead of be like make these giant leaps and like yeah. I'm being literal when I say like I like bounce in and then I bounce out and then you hop around and you've got like that amateur hop right like it's true you're you're not planted really no. too long in amateur mm. at all no. uh, and that's probably why there isn't a ton of I mean I'm I'm making stuff up right now I might have someone <laughs> fact check me and be like you're, you're wrong. wrong but you know, you don't see like knockouts and stuff like that in amateur because no one's planting no. really to throw to throw like higher level. You will, or you'll see someone take a knee from a, a naughty liver shot or something for sure. Yeah. But just you know, no one's, no one's really planting their feet and using the ground to, to, to generate a, a ton of power. And obviously you have people who just genetically have savage hands. Oh, yeah. uh, so, yeah, but it, it is interesting. The, the, the difference between the two, um, so you kind of found your, your home in pro yeah. as to how you like, like to fight and it, it suited, you found that it suited you better. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I always would say that I'm more of a, a Canelo and less of a Lomachenko. I'm not, yeah. I'm not. I think not a lot of people could say that they're, uh, you know, a, a Lomachenko I know, right? style. Yeah, like it's, no. it's very rare. <laughs> and when I, it's very when rare, I but, say that, I'm not, you know, like I'm using that very loosely. I'm not like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm like Canelo. <laughs> it's like we're like the same. But no, we, we know what you mean, you know. Yeah, planted like like two shots, yeah. maybe a third to set up the second or a first to set up a second mm-hmm. and third. Mm-hmm. Like he's. He's very Canelo's setting up a few things. He uses he likes his hook to the head. He likes his hook yeah. to the body. He sets it up with an uppercut. He sets up with a jab. Like it, yeah. it very much you know, is that is that yeah. game. Now talk to so, so you launched a gym whew, I did. early this year. Yeah, February twenty eighth was when we had our open house and our official opening date would have been March first of twenty twenty two. And tell us about all the things <laughs> that you offer at your gym. Oh, all the things we offer. So we um, offer boxing. Uh, we don't offer a ton of boxing, but we offer boxing. We offer uh, Muay Thai kickboxing. And, you know, I mean, technically, Muay Thai, it's like Thai. Like Muay, it's like kickboxing. It's like Thai kickboxing. But anyway, no one ever knows what Muay Thai is. So I always mm. have to say Muay Thai kickboxing. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. We do Brazilian. They're like, what? A Mai Thai? Right? Is it 3 p.m. already? Seriously. It's, <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And then we do like strength thing. Awesome. And your husband... Strength and conditioning. Oh, yeah. Strength and And your husband, Migo. Migo's a, a black belt. He's a, a new black belt yep. under... Pacific Top team. Under who? Yeah. Pacific top team. And that's very cool. Migo just was at uh, master's worlds in Vegas. You guys just got back from got Vegas, back on which is why Jamie looks Sunday, yes. why I'm glowing. nice and tanned on that white yeah. backdrop there. Yeah. So that's, that's great. Now, I mean, <laughs> I was, I was in there painting walls. You with were you, like at the, in the early stage, uh, but there was, there's, there was a whole bunch of things that happened along the way, like hurdles and roadblocks. Just talk to us a little bit about the roller coaster, you know, that experience and 
how fucking happy you are that you, you made it you made it through in the end well, i mean made it we're only six months old but we're doing really well actually august was bumping we just like we just awesome killed her so, yeah just side note on that though i don't know what's going on because august in vancouver traditionally in the fitness industry yeah. of any kind is slow oh, as yeah. molasses yeah, and everyone i've talked to is like what's going oh, on oh yeah August is so busy. So I don't know what's in the air or, or people are maybe like low key bracing for like a, a really like hard fall with restriction. I have no idea, but praise be God. August has been fantastic. Don't. So I'm glad to hear you guys yeah. were reaping those benefits yeah, too. Don't say that. Don't talk about restrictions. I, I know I don't want to, but I'm trying to figure out why August is because it is, it was bad. It's funny though. Like I've spoken to other businesses around here, other gyms and they're like, and they've been dead like absolutely dead so as I'm like bragging. yeah so I mean it's I mean it's um I don't so like I don't were you was it you that was busy or like do you know gyms that were busy or yeah no I I have a few friends who are, are you know small business really small business owners like myself uh and and also some some other gyms uh that were saying august was a busy month for them yeah. so and some personal uh trainers that were quite busy as yeah. well so yeah I, I don't i don't know why but yeah our august has been really good hmm. um yeah so the gym gee whiz where do you want me to start like <laughs> well let's uh just for the sake of comedy let's talk about the what was it the um the city, the city that came through and was like, do this. And then they sent a new guy and you had to like deconstruct your bathroom and all oh that. Oh my stuff. God. Yeah. The perm, the <laughs> permitting. Oh my gosh. The so every, everybody, every single person that opens a brick and mortar business, it's like, Jamie, the word permit is a bad oh, word. It is. Like we oh. have our own like story about permits. I think anyone that has to get a permit to do anything. Yeah. It's like PTSD. Yeah. And you know, like, our um man our uh whatever uh building officer person they're mm-hmm. known they're known in the city to be like a reputation they have a reputation yeah and i've lucky oh, you guys man, and i've talked to there's a couple of other businesses that opened around the same time we did and like mm-hmm. I, there's a distillery down the street and like i'll go in and i'll sit with the owner and we'll talk about this officer and it's yeah yeah anyway i wonder if this person knows that people are like having more drinks than they intended <laughs> over their name you know oh i think like does this person go i made people drink today. yeah like do they know that this is what they're doing to i think i think soul? they must i think they must but <laughs> uh but yeah so uh so they came in um they did all of our, like throughout our build, they did all of our sort of like checks and there was always something like there was always something. And in our final check, um, they came in and they were like, yeah, no, you guys are missing like eight, eight lights. And I was like, what are you talking about? No, you need, you need like eight more lights. And I mean, it is a pain in the ass because you've got to get an electrician in. They got to run the wires through the ceiling. They got to run the wires through the walls, which we've closed up and drywalled mm-hmm. and painted because the gym's done. And um, <laughs> like, oh, and you need emergency yeah. lighting here and there. And um, oh, the fire alarm. Well, where's the fire alarm? I'm like, it's right 
there. It's the, the white speaker. There's one there. There's one there. There's one there. There's one there. And they were like, no, no, it should be like a big red bell. And I'm like, this is not an elementary school. They don't <laughs> do big bells anymore. Um, and yeah, we went back and forth and back and forth, whether this is a fire alarm. And I'm like, look, I'll just pull the fire alarm. We'll find out. <laughs> I didn't. But uh, yeah, it was. Oh, but yes, our, um, our um, accessible washroom. Oh my gosh. Like things were either like half an inch too high or we needed this like recessed soap dish. And, you know, sadly the designers didn't actually design the washroom to code or maybe they didn't review the code. But when, when we did the damn washroom, it wasn't this stupid recessed soap dish wasn't on the plans so we had to cut it uh, you had one job designer one job so we had to cut a big asshole in our like fourteen thousand dollar tile to stick this stupid <laughs> recessed soap dish um and um man i was so fucking pissed and then and then when we had our final inspection, they sent a different inspector. Um, and I know him. We had a really good relationship, a good rapport. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, this is fine. Good job. Awesome. Yeah. But uh, it's like just the, the, the freaking life and times. Like, do you ever wish you had like a YouTube like someone following you around oh, doing like a documentary yeah. of the whole experience he uploaded on YouTube or something. I think my general, like, I think my general contractor wishes he had like, yeah. Yeah. A reality TV show. Cause I, I remember, I don't have cable anymore, but I remember there was like all those, um, you know, HGTV channel or whatever. It was like mm -hmm. big restoration or something. It could be like, you could have your own, you could add your own thing there. So for all the life and times of, of Hero Academy, but you guys are open. You're six months old. Everything is going swimmingly yep. from what I understand. Yep, we're doing good. This is good. Yep, we're busy. Now I'm going to go straight to the jugular here. We've talked about this a few times throughout our friendship. Uh, I want to know your internal back and forth emotional. Like there's been times where you're like, I'm making a comeback. Oh, I'm going to do yeah. it. And then there's been times where you're like, I'm not no. doing it. What what ping pong match are you playing in your heart and in your mind when you think about making a comeback in boxing? Well, I'm not making a comeback because I'm 42 years old. Um, and I like my brain. At the time. At the I time. like my brain. Um, I was, yeah. I was seriously considering a comeback after I had my daughter. And um, I was training with Lou Sargent at the time. And I was like, yeah. And then with Andy, Andy Mavros. And was like, yep, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a comeback. I'm going to have like another one or two pro fights. You know, we'll find some other old ladies for me to fight. It'll be great. It'll be like old grandmas <laughs> fighting each other. It'll be fantastic. Um, and I was like, I was really set on doing it. And, um, mm -hmm. and that was back in 2019. So I was still in my 30s then. <laughs> in my 30s. And, um, mm -hmm. and then COVID hit. And, uh, and it was just like, you know what, Never mind. 
like, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. COVID hit. And then, you know, I turned 40 and then I turned 41 and then we decided to open this gym and, you know, and then I fell in love with jujitsu and it's just, yeah, it's just, and nobody wants to see a 42 year old box. I mean, maybe, but it's like when they, uh, you know, Mike Tyson and, um, Oh, oh and, and that, oh, Roy Jones Jr. Bless this heart. I remember. I mean, okay, let's be real. Those guys, like Mike Tyson, oh, yeah, looked like a machine. Did, yeah, and the disparity between his performance, let alone his walkout, to Roy Jones Jr.'s walkout, like. I was like, the guy's not going to make it to the no, ring. It was a, he it, had like a lean going, like his hip looked janky. Like he was, it was, I was, it like, was, you know, and it was emotional. I was like watching them being like, yeah. why, why? This is how people are going to remember you. Like, I mean, honestly though, t- okay. <laughs> yes. But Mike Tyson will be off. What I was saying after watching that fight is like, I was like, give the guy another five rounds. Oh, yeah. He'd be fine. Oh, yeah. Like also he could have finished, he could have finished Roy oh, Jones yeah. and the guy still, the guy still it looks fantastic. So it's just, but poor, poor old Roy looked a little weathered. He looked, he looked a little weathered. I was, I was worried at the walkout. Let's just it say was, that. Yeah. Like, Oof, yeah. You know, and then I feel like we watched, and it was a very, it was a very, we watched that we together. together didn't yeah. We? I feel like we did. I think we did. It was a very sportsman-like, well, was. gentle com- competition. Yes. It was not Mike Tyson. I think could have probably sent Roy to the hospital, and he didn't, which was lovely because no one. Because to your point, no one wants to see that. Like no one wants to see old no. Mike Tyson send old Roy Jones to <laughs> not on the show on a stretcher. Like no one that works for nobody. Uh, no, no. Uh, it's not good for boxing. No. Uh, Jamie, what do you think about Anderson Silva and uh, Jake Paul? Do you have any opinions about this? No. It's confirmed. I don't want to talk about Jake Paul. <laughs> I know. I know. That's why I have to ask. Is it good for boxing in your opinion? She takes out her earphones. She's like, I'm no, done. Right? I'm, like, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm going. Yeah, bye. Miss, I'm, missing, I'm missing a jiu-jitsu class for this bullshit. Um, oh, man. Okay. So here's – all right. All right. Here's the thing. Okay. So this whole Jake Paul bullshit, it's like – when Mayweather and Conor McGregor fought, right? It's like mm. when did did Jake Paul fight Mayweather? I don't remember. It's like I'm sorry. Is it like Mayweather and McGregor? We're talking like UFC top tier icon, boxing top tier icon. But it's still ridiculous. Like that was ridiculous. Okay. Who else did Mayweather okay. fight that was ridiculous? Like, oh, he fought Jake Paul. He too. did, and that was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And it's like. It was it's ridiculous. Like, fuck, man, we can't. It, it is ridiculous because it's pretty much rigged, yeah. you know. And 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 we know, and they're picking. He's picking these guys that he knows need a paycheck so yeah. bad. Like, I don't know what Ben Askren has been up to prior to that fight, but he was like, "Yeah, I'll get my ass knocked out for yeah. whatever, yeah. like a million, couple mil." But you know what? It also it just <laughs> it speaks to how disappointing humanity is. Because people are <laughs> buying into this shit. They are. They're buying it. They're like, oh, yeah. look at this, Insta- they look are. this they Instagram influencer. Yeah. 
Let's yeah. watch him. He's a boxer. He's yeah. an Instagram influence boxer. Guess what? If you're an influencer, you can be a boxer too. It's like, fuck. Right? Off. Yeah. And I mean. I know. I, I, I just loved his entrance into the world of, of boxing too. Was like fighting non-boxers. Like, I'm going to take a guy from the oh, NBA yeah. and knock him out. Like, yeah. why? To, and you're right. It, it, does, it does really speak to the fact that humanity we're at, we've, we peaked, I think in 2019. And ah. It's just, it's over, yeah, baby. It is. It's a scary world out there. Like it's a, it's yeah, scary. It's a scary digital world out there. So, uh, oh man. But it, I mean, it, it never, it never ceases to give me fodder to talk about on my podcast. I mean, and, at least, and laugh about, at least Jake Paul's boxing game has improved. Like at least he's, he's hey, getting you know, better. You know what? He, He's not horrible no. to watch. He's not like it's 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 bad, but he's not like horrible. Um, and you know, there's a piece of you that even if he did get good, would still kind of hate him a little yeah. bit. And I think that's his whole thing. Uh, you know, it's like no, it's kind of like the even bad press is good press kind of yeah. thing. But anyways, I was just curious if you had a a, a, a little opinion on the Silva um, Paul fight because we've got we've got better things to look forward to, like Triple G Canelo, yeah. which I still think we could probably predict with a blindfold and not, never see the fight, but that's unimportant because they are, they have put in their time in those two, those two men are impressive athletes and just in just for boxing alone, watching yeah. them, them go yeah. to work is, is incredible. I'm, uh, Jamie, if you could, uh, on a closing note, um, if you could give, you know, three pieces of advice from your experience as, as a, a coach, a mom, an athlete to a young woman out there who's maybe, you know, kind of at the at the crossroads that you were at in her amateur career, wondering what what's next and thinking about turning pro. What kind of three pieces of advice would you give her? Well, my first statement is, I feel like this is my life motto, is uh, if it was easy, everyone would do it. So just you know, sit on that. Mm-hmm. This is not you know your journey is not going to be easy, but that's you know that's what sets you apart. Um, mm-hmm. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> shit yeah so okay so, true, so yeah so you know like i mean fuck yeah so that's my one that's my one that's my like one big statement you know like if it was easy everybody would do it you know um you know for for a woman who's going for you know like like if like going from their uh amateur into pro you know have a really solid team, you know, find the best people that you can surround Mm -hmm. yourself with and just have a really solid team. And, um, if somebody's ego, um, you know, or feelings are taking over your route to success, then you need to trim the fat Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's your journey. And, um, you know, this is, this is, fighting this is boxing you know you're not playing we're not playing so um yeah you got to take care of you know I mean it's selfish when I say you got to take care of number one but like the purpose of your Mm. team is to take care of you so you know and 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 in turn Mm. they get all those accolades and they get all those successes that come with your success um Mm -hmm. was that two or three I feel like it was two but that was two those two, but it's okay. If those, if those speak to you, that's, that's cute. I think like, you know, just if I could be so bold as to inject one, just kind of based on our, our chat tonight and knowing you as a person, it's, you know, work your ass off, 
Oh yeah. Just work your ass off. Yeah. Like never like, you know, get your, get your big girl panties oh, on, shit. pull them up real high and dig in. Yeah. And you know, that goes for, you know, that goes for every athlete that wants to do anything great in whatever their definition of that is, you know, and that could be like a prolific amateur career. That could be a pro career. That could be Olympics. Yeah. That could be a, a short pro career. It doesn't matter if you, whatever great is to you, it's just like, just work your ass. No, out, it's true. You know? And um, you know, yeah. like to touch on that, like it, like these journeys, these types of journeys, they're never easy. Like they're so hard and they will test you. And I wish someone had said to like, people would say to me all the time, this is going to be hard. I wish someone had said to me, you are going to want to quit every single day. You are going to think, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And this is more again around me opening this gym, but it applies mm-hmm. to everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the beginning is going to be so hard. You're going to be miserable. You're going to want to quit. You're going to think you're crazy. Just keep pushing forward because it'll get better. Oh, that mm-hmm. applies to parenting, too. but you know like I mean if it's something that you want you just have to you just have to do it you have to just grin and bear it and do it and um it'll pay mm -hmm. off it'll be worth it it really will so yeah yeah and I think that's I think that's brilliant because I think so much of sport can be compared to non-sporting life you know so many of the lessons so many of the hardships so much of the of the grit and the attitude and your successes and your failures like there's so many parallels to real life yeah. that you go through in sport and I think I, I I would argue that martial arts and combat sport play a very special like it's different than playing on a basketball team yeah. playing on a soccer team playing on a hockey team and I'm not saying better or worse it's just different it's very uh it goes to the cuts to the absolute core of your nature as a human mm-hmm. like hand-to-hand mm-hmm. physical combat and the the feeling and the emotion and the physical pain and everything it takes to get to the place where you're not only mentally emotionally but physically confident enough to step between the ropes or in the cage or on the mats to face someone you know you're actually facing yourself yeah. right oh and, yeah and isn't that isn't that just a beautiful a beautiful parallel to life I think yeah. the the lessons that you learn you know, through sports. So, uh, Jamie, it was an absolute pleasure to, to chat with you. Thank you so much for skipping that to class. Like, I know, I know you love me. I know you love me. Yeah. For all those boxers out there that are like, jujitsu, I'm like, just try it. Just try it. Like, yeah. Just try it. You're going to be like, hooked. Yeah. I've coached a few fighters into it and they're like, oh my gosh. This is really fun. I know, I know, I know. Oh, I could talk all day about jujitsu. But, Jamie, Again, thank you so much. And, you know, we wish you all the best of luck with with Hero Academy. And if you haven't gone uh, over to the North Shore to check Jamie out uh, and Migo, they're on uh, Esplanade and Lower Lonsdale, Mm -hmm. just literally right there. You could throw a stone from the key. Yep. And uh, go check them out. They've got, you know, something for everybody. And, and Jamie, thank you for your contribution into women's boxing in Canada, women's boxing in BC. It was a pleasure chatting with you. you. You too. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning into the Empire Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna, and we will see you next time. Make sure to listen, follow, and subscribe to Empire Boxing on Apple, Spotify, 